All right. Hey, Merry Christmas, everybody. Good to be with you guys on this beautiful, cold Saturday night. Um, when you are ready, you can take a seat. We are going to be in the book of Isaiah and the Gospel of John. Isaiah 9, John 1. I just want to say, um, again, Merry Christmas Eve. <laughs> it's so good to be with you guys. Um, this is something we look forward to. I mean, every year, just gathering to celebrate, to remember the birth of Jesus. And um, we are going to be in Isaiah 9, John 1. Uh, no real analysis, but if you need a Bible, listen, we want to get you one so you can follow along with us. Uh, there's a lot there we want to cover today. So Isaiah 9, John 1, will be in some other places too. Um, let me just say this. I don't know if we fully grasp the reality of this season. We as Christians make an absolutely insane claim we say the infinite God became an infant. The infinite became finite. God entered his creation. God entered earth. And we get to come together, just uh, remember that. Obviously, it wasn't December 25th, but this is a time where we kind of put it on the calendar and say, we will stop and we will slow down and remember the incarnation, that God clothed himself with humanity, that light actually entered darkness. What we're doing tonight and what we're going to just like focus on, there are so many parallels, so many scriptures that deal with light and darkness and how Jesus, who is light, God, who is light, entered darkness. And I'm so thankful for that because you look around this room, you look around your homes. I mean, this is a season of just lights. And I think for a very specific reason, we're saying the true light has come. That light that gave off glory before the sun was even created has come. And we're trying to just embrace that idea, embrace that reality. Because um, as beautiful and, and kind of as sentimental to us as Christmas is, it's really a horrific reminder of how desperate and broken our world was, so much so that God had to leave heaven, leave glory, and enter darkness. And so we want to look at that. Because God has come, and God is coming, as we, lo we looked at this weekend. This is the spirit of, or the season of Advent. We call this Advent just that waiting, that longing of the arrival of Jesus. And this is the night the church gathers and says, you know, Advent is here. We remember that Jesus has come. And yes, we remember that Jesus is coming. And so this idea of light and darkness, light did enter darkness. And once and for all, we will see Jesus come again and light will quench darkness. And so I just want to read a couple of things to you because this has kind of been, I think, the theme throughout Christmas hymns throughout the centuries. I mean, what we've sung, what the church has, has sung for hundreds of years, it's been that theme of light. I want to read this to you. It's uh, Joseph Moore, you know this one. He's a silent night, holy night. He writes, darkness flies and all is light. Uh, Charles Wesley wrote in Hark the Herald Angels Sing. He said, hail the heavenly prince of peace. Hail the son of righteousness. Light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. This idea that light and life to all he brings, we want to look at. That light has entered darkness. That this is what Zacharias, this is the uncle of Jesus, the father of John the Baptist, when he prophesied over his son, this is what he said about Jesus. He says, the day spring or the dawn, the day spring, the dawn from on eye has visited us to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Light has come. The, the new morning, the dawn, the day spring has come. He has visited us from on high. 
This is that season. We say light has come. Why? Because the world was and is dark. And we are in desperate need of light. We are in desperate need of God quench the darkness. You know, get rid, remove. We need to turn the lights on as Christians. We want there to be light. We want to be that light set on a hill. We want to follow the example of Jesus who is the light. So I just want to read, actually, this is prophesied in Isaiah chapter 9, this idea of light coming. And then we'll read to John chapter 1. We'll kind of turn, you know, a few books ahead and look at the New Testament where light has come. So why don't we read this and then we'll, we'll pray and jump into our text today. And again, I just want us to kind of take in the moment. Um, it's very easy. I know, you know, I was talking to some people before, but it's very easy. December 24th, 2022. It's weird. It's already Christmas Eve. It's weird. It's already here. It's so easy. It's so easy to um, just not even spend time in the word in this season and kind of miss all the details around the birth of Jesus and kind of put yourself in that framework and that mindset and just what Mary and Joseph, what uh, the shepherds, kind of that, that experience, that moment, that day that God entered earth. And I, I do want us to take this in. This is a special thing. We're, we're making a huge claim. We're saying God has come. This means you are not alone. This means that God is near. This means that God wants to drive the darkness out of your life and out of my life. This means that he wants to be the light of our life. And I, I want to take this in. I want to take in what the point of this is. I don't want to pass over it too quickly. I don't want to miss it. But I just want to read and kind of immerse ourselves in a few scriptures that deal with this. So why don't we reread just two verses from Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. Let's read that. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. Well, here's what Isaiah says will come one day. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. He says, the people who walked in, say the word, what is it? The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. Verse six, for to us, a child is born, to us, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He goes, to a people in darkness, light has come. To the people who are sitting in darkness, light has come. And that is this child. That is Christ our Lord. And I want to read now in John chapter 1. If you would turn to John 1, this idea that light has come. Um, here's just a fun point. If you care about this, in the, the gospel of Matthew and Luke, we have the genealogies of Jesus, but also in the gospel of John. So if you read uh, Matthew chapter 1, you'll find the, geneal the genealogy of Jesus. It's from his father, stepfather, his, you know, not his biological dad, uh, Joseph's side. You'll see the genealogy. In the Luke's gospel, you see his gene genealogy from his mother's side, from Mary. And here in John 1, you see his genealogy from his divine side. And I love this because you, you don't see genealogy in Mark. You see it in Matthew and Luke. But I think we miss John 1. This is the genealogy of Jesus from God the Father. So John chapter 1, verse 1, here's what it says. It says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things, all things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light, the true light, which gives light to everyone. The true light was coming into the world. Why don't we pray? 
we want to embrace um, just the season that light has entered darkness, the true light, that darkness cannot and will not overcome it. And I just want us to kind of take this in and say, do it again, Jesus. Cast out darkness again over us, over our world. Yes, even so, Lord, come. So let's pray. Father, we just want to say thank you so much just for this time we get. God, every year I know it, it can be um, something that maybe we're, too, we're just too familiar with this story. We're maybe too familiar with this nativity scene, with this moment that changed everything. I ask God that we would not be too familiar with it. Lord, that you'd make it new in my heart and our hearts tonight. That Jesus, um, this idea of light, of you being like God who is light and in you dwells no darkness at all. Lord, that you would expose and shine your light on us. God, that you are, you are the light. You don't just light up our path, which is true, but you are the light. And we just look to you and we need you. God, we would be nowhere without you. God, I pray for a world that just tries to do this life without you. That Jesus, they would no longer, they'd see it's not working. It's not working. God, that we're still in darkness without you. And so Jesus, we ask that you would be that light, that you'd be seen, um, and that Lord, you would just do what it is you want to do in our hearts tonight. In your precious name, amen. Amen. Obviously, you guys can look around our room and you can look around probably your neighborhood. We, as people, are just obsessed with lights. You know, I took my kids out on a bike ride a few nights ago, and we have a few of those houses in our neighborhood that just go all out. Like, they truly go all out, like, not a patch. Like, I, you know, I don't know, it's like a few condos that maybe they work together or something. And we, like, talked to the, I saw the owner, I was talking to the owner, and she's like, I have a little patch of grass this year. I could place this new inflatable lawn. And she was so excited. But there's so much lights, and my kids are just overwhelmed by it. And it's, it's funny for me, because now I, I'm definitely getting older. I can like feel it. I know it. I'm becoming more of like a Grinch because I, 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 you know, all I see when I see the lights is like the electric bill. That's literally my mind thing. It's so sad. Uh, my wife and I have this really fun game where she turns on all the lights in the house and I just immediately turn them off. And we do that with Christmas lights at night, every night. I have to unplug the light that's outside our house. And we have lights hanging from our house and inside of the house and trees have lights. There's too many lights for me. It's great though. I love them. I love them. But it's so fun for us to see this just through our, our kids' perspectives because they love light. You know, it's, it could be as simple as just a fireworks show and just the lights bright and shining. There's something that just draws our attention to it. We, we can't get enough of it. And why is that? You know, just actually a couple nights ago, it was, it was uh, winter solstice. The idea was on December 22nd in the Northern Hemisphere, it was the darkest day of the year, right? Just two nights ago, the darkest day of the year. The sun goes down at the earliest. It goes down during the year. And I think it's, it's in that season we put up lights because we don't like darkness. We just don't like it. So we go, oh, it's the darkest day. It's the darkest season of the year. Let's just put as many lights as we can around the world. That's what we do. Because there's something about darkness. There's something about light. There's something about that I, I see in my kids when it's, can you make sure you, you know, for us every night, turn the, light, 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 turn, the, turn the light on. They have a night light. And now they have like a mini Christmas tree and it has to, it has to be on. And the hallway, the hallway light has to be on. It's like non, it's a light after light after light. Because we don't like darkness. But then there's a side of us According to the scriptures, we'll look at this. It says men actually do like darkness. And we actually don't want to be brought to light because light reveals and light exposes. And, and there is this battle between light and darkness we kind of do see in the scriptures. And it's not this idea of the yin and the yang. And there's a little bit of, you know, a lot of light with a little bit of bad and a lot of bad with a little bit of light. It's not that. We see that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. He's just light. God is light. But what does that mean? And what does that look like? And why did Jesus come to drive out darkness? Satan is called the power of darkness. 
What does that look like? What does that mean? And why are we looking at this tonight? Um, I want to just take us back all the way for just a second to the beginning. Because if you remember in the beginning, Genesis chapter 1, we'll throw the verse up here, verse 2. In Genesis 1, 2, it says, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. You might notice this, or maybe someone's pointing this out to you, but the sun wasn't created till day four. We don't see the sun, the moon, and the stars created till day four. What is this light? Most believe that this light was not so much a creation of light as much as God himself just revealing his light, that his light was now revealed. There's no sun, there's no moon, there's no stars, but what is this light? Let there be light. It's so much more like there was a, God's like, I want to reveal my light to this world that is without form and void and in darkness, that God brought light out of darkness. How we need him to do that again today, to bring light out of darkness, to shine his light on his world that sadly sometimes is without form and void. The idea of light speaks of organization. It speaks of beauty. It speaks of love. Like darkness speaks of chaos in scriptures. There's chaos. There's disorder. There's an absence of God. That's the idea of darkness. Hell is called that outer darkness. This idea of outer darkness communicates the idea of the absence of God. And so we want, we want to see the idea of darkness and light. Jesus has come. John the Baptist came to bear witness of that light. John came to say, look at the light. The light has come. And the life of men is in him. In him is life. And so we want to look at this. So three th- simple thoughts. I don't really know how to break it up today, so don't judge me too hard. But there's, it's more in the points itself. We're going to look at uh, the sun, then the dark, then the sun. Okay? <laughs> We're going to look at that. Because I want to look at this idea of light enter darkness. The sun, the dark, the sun. <laughs> The sun, the S-U-N, the, the light. Here's what I want us to see. It's in actually Luke chapter 1, verse 78. I said it earlier, but just hear it again. Zacharias said this about Jesus. He says, The day spring from on high has visited us to give light to those who sit in darkness. The day spring from on high has visited us. This, this idea, this dawn, this new morning, sunlight is breaking through. This light from high, from heaven, it's come. It's visited us to those who walk in darkness, to those who are in darkness. Obviously, the sun is some symbolic often for light and, and speaks of light and light for the sun. And so just some simple points that you know this well, but obviously these points or these euphemisms of life speak to just a greater reality about our life. So here's the first one. Uh, simple, but you know this. Uh, light gives life, right? Light gives, that's what light does. You think about our sun and what it does, it just gives life. I mean, if you know this, but no sun, no life. This, this idea that the sun itself, like, uh, I remember reading, I think, I don't know if it was this year, last year, but if you picked up the book Atomic Habits, great book, James Clear, right? He has a, like a chapter or a section on just light and the benefits of light and all that light does. Maybe you know this. This is like, people know this. They talk about this, but put a few of these things up. Uh, light increases our vitamin D. It's so good for us. We saw that kind of during the pandemic. Everyone's like, get some sunlight, get some light. It's good for you. We need some sunlight. Yes. Uh, that, when you have vitamin D, that strengthens your bones. Sunlight improves your mood and reduces your stress. Uh, I don't, maybe some of you need to know that. This can reduce your stress. It gives you a better mood. Uh, we know that it helps release serotonin, which kind of gives you that happy. This is good. Like, this feels good. We know this is good. And not only does it increase your levels of serotonin, but we know it actually then will increase later in the day your levels of uh, melatonin. It'll give you better sleep. So it'll give you better sleep. Uh, and then lastly, we know it gives you a lower blood, blood pressure. It actually can strengthen your heart. I think it releases some like nitric oxide or something that does some really good stuff for your heart. 
the point of bringing this up is the sun is amazing. Light is incredible. God is communicating from the very beginning, we need light to have life. We need light to, you know, produce chlorophyll and photosynthesis and give off oxygen. And again, no sunlight, no life. And that just communicates a greater reality for us. No sun, no light, no life. And that if you know the sun, you'll have life. That if you know him and what he can do, he, he gives life. This is what John says in 1 John, or John chapter 1 verse 4. He says, in him was life and the life was the light of men. In him was life. I mean, the whole idea of the idea of, of for us talking about sun and light and darkness, we're trying to say that, listen, in Jesus, he's come to give us life. And as he said in John 10, 10, I've come to give life and life more abundantly. I want you to experience all that I have for you. Light is good. It's interesting as those, you know, you study these things, too much of it or an absence of it, an absence of it can do some damage. And this idea of light is just powerful. Light, we know, gives life. Number two, light reveals reality. It's is simple. But if you've ever been into a room, I don't know if you've ever, like gone to a hotel or maybe like you've woken up in the middle of the night and you're looking for that light on your wall and you're just like, kind of filling the whole wall and you're reaching around. Like I do this every night where like, I, have, I don't know why my brain like cannot find it. And then as soon as you find it, you see the room. You know, being a parent of kids and I think all of you parents know what this is like, but there's something about just our kids leaving out Legos right now and everywhere and nothing hurts more than a Lego. Like nothing hurts more than a Lego. I don't know. I feel like I have decent pain tolerance. My wife will probably disagree, but I feel like I have decent, decent pain tolerance and I'll sip on a Lego and like I just fall to my knees, agony, pain, insane. I serve my kids do it too, like home alone, like they leave around the house. Like, I don't know, but they, they just do that. And, but as soon as you turn the light on, it exposes reality, right? It shows you the truth about your surroundings. The idea of light, it does that. It's trying to say, hey, here's the reality of life. Without light, you're just in darkness. Without life, you don't see the reality. You don't know what's going on. You don't know what's real, what's not. If you want to know what's real or objectively true, you need light. You can't just wander in darkness. Light reveals to us reality. This is so important. It is funny because sometimes it does it too much, right? I've experienced that too. We have a mirror in the house I love. It makes me look good. It's a good mirror, right? But then I'll go to like a department store and like try something on. And I'm like, what mirror is this? This is a lie, right? There's certain lights in the mirrors. I don't know the way it works. You're like, I don't like what it reveals. But that's the point. Light reveals whether you like it or don't like it. It just reveals what's necessary. It reveals what's there. There's something about the word of God, the scriptures. There's something about Jesus being alive in the world saying, I'm going to reveal to your reality. You might not like what you see. You might not be happy with it, but it's necessary. And Jesus, light has come. And we might not always like what he reveals, but it's so necessary. Psalm 119, 105, he writes, your word is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. The idea of light revealing reality is just from the very beginning. Your word's a lamp. This is a lamp. It's a light. Jesus is light. He's also the word. And it's a light into my path. I would have no idea where I'm going. I would have no idea how to deal with the issues of this world, suffering, pain, without that light. I'd just be in darkness. We need something to expose to us ultimate reality. And that's where Jesus comes in the scene. He's like saying, I am light. Number three is this. We know that light it brings joy. Light brings beauty. Didn't really know how to put this, but light just brings joy. It brings beauty. I mean, the idea for us to, you know, if you travel, you want to travel during the day. You want to see the waterfalls. You want to see the sunrise. You want to see the sky. You want to see the purples and the pinks. You want to see hit the water just right. You want to see that. You want to experience life in that way. Again, there's something that just life or light brings color. Like we want to see color. We want to be like, what is that? We want to, you want to see creation in that way. Light exposes the reality, but it also just reveals beauty and it brings joy that way. 
When you see it, you go, oh, this just brings me so much joy. Seeing God's creation or seeing what's there. If there is no light, I, you imagine that. And it, it's so bizarre, right? Just the idea of going through life, being in darkness. You can't see what's around you. You can't experience that joy in that way. We're told in Psalm 1611, it simply says, in your presence, God, there is fullness of joy. This idea that God is light. God is light, and in his presence, there's fullness of joy. So God's light. And in that light, there's fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. I really do think that this has been such a pitfall for myself throughout the years, and many believers I talk to, they don't realize that God is a God of joy. I think we really struggle with the idea that God is good, that God is beautiful, that God wants to reveal good, reveal beauty, reveal joy, that the kingdom of God is not meat nor drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That I think that we, we underestimate that in God's presence, there's joy. There's something so beautiful to me about that. Because I, I, for years, thought God is just some killjoy who wants to take away fun and have these rules of do not and do this and do this and don't do this, not realizing that all of that in reality was for fullness of joy not realizing that his ways are better than my ways, that his ways will lead to more joy, that usually when I go against his will and against his word, that's usually when I feel like the life is being sucked out of me. See, in God's presence, there is fullness of joy. That's why Augustine writes, God, our hearts are restless until they, until they rest in you. There's just something about God, you, you are light. With that comes life, with that comes reality, with that comes joy. And this light has entered darkness. So I want to look at, we looked at number one, just simply, we're going to work, you know, work through this quickly. We saw light. We saw the sun. Number two is the dark. You know, I don't think we realize how dark things are then, in Jesus' day, and today. I don't think you know, I get the idea of like, okay, um, Jesus is born, and there's a decree that goes out to kill all the infants because we're afraid this one might be the king. I don't think we realize what it's like to have another, for us, you have another country ruling and invading their country. You see oppression, you see human trafficking, you see child slavery, you see pedophilia. You saw a lot of that in Romans' day, and you see that a lot in our day. You saw a lot of darkness then, you see a lot of darkness today. And the point of this is, I don't, realize, I don't think we realize how bright that light is, but how dark the darkness is. There's something about the season of Advent, or there's something about this season, where we, we shouldn't move on too quickly to the light. We should actually, in some ways, sit in this darkness for a moment, because when you sit in it and you find, like, if we turned all the lights off in this room and just pitch black, it wouldn't be. But if it was, like we turn off all the lights, everything, and you, let's say you couldn't see your hand in front of your face. Once a light comes on, you go, oh my gosh, it just draws your attention to it. You realize how dark it really was. You realize like, I can't believe it's this dark in here. There's just something about maybe in this season sitting in like, what is this moment that we're in? Um, there's one author. She said beautifully, Advent is the season that Listen, when properly understood, does not flinch from the darkness that stalks us all in this world. Advent begins in the dark and moves toward the light. But the season should not move too quickly or too glibly, lest we fail to acknowledge the depth of the darkness. Advent bids us take a fearless inventory of the darkness, the darkness without and the darkness within. There's something about Advent that says, maybe you and I should sit in this a little bit longer and understand the depth of darkness. Maybe we need to realize what Jesus himself entered into. We think about Jesus leaving heaven, coming to earth, and we hear that phrase, or we think about that analogy, how Philippians 2 says he clothed himself, he wrapped himself in humanity. We think about that, or we hear that. I don't think we fully get it. That God who is sinless, God who is light, is saying, I'm going to enter into that darkness. 
I'm going to enter into that void, that abyss. I'm going to enter into that. I'm going to take on darkness in this way. I don't know if we get what that means. You know, um, in 2022, right? It's weird. Sometimes for me, end of the year, we may, maybe we do this. We kind of look back at the year, kind of like with nostalgic. Maybe you're like, just get this year over with. That's kind of how I'm looking at 2022. Uh, but maybe you kind of look at this year and you're like, Ugh. it's weird to look back at this year. Like, what have we been through this year? You know, I asked Taylor to kind of help me with this. We just have some photos and like, man, we've gone through it as a world, right? In 2022. The floods in Afghanistan that killed at least 1,700 people. Obviously, war between Ukraine and Russia and on the, you know, cusp of World War III. And you hear those rumors, and you're reading the articles, and you're seeing what's going on. You think about what's happening right now in Yemen. I don't know if you realize, but there's like a major food crisis. 20 plus million people dispersed. Children are dying left and right. In Sudan, there's a drought. There's wars that are crazy in Congo, and we're using child, you know, human trafficking essentially to get cobalt and lithium. And you look at what's happening in our world, and you go, this is a dark world. North Korea, they're basically sending people over to China for body parts. And you kind of get a little taste, a little article throughout the year, and you go, man, this is a dark, dark world. In our own country, obviously, we see that each year we see a million babies slaughtered. My point of this is saying, we can't think we've really progressed all that far in the last 2,000 years. We have to look and say, man, what was happening in Jesus' day is happening today. That wars, rumors of wars, everything that we see, it's still happening, it's still going on. You know, I think one of the questions I get, and we've we addressed this before, but when we talk to different people, especially the Jewish community, the Jewish faith, um, they're going, if Jesus is the Messiah, where's the shalom? And it's a phenomenal question. Because this is that Christmas season, right? This is the peace on earth season. This is the season you're like, Jesus, come, peace on earth. But everyone looks around and is like, I don't see this peace on earth. Like, I thought light has come. I thought, I thought we're supposed to be over this by now. And it's this weird thing that we're, we're in between as Christians. You know, we're in the, you know, the kingdom is here, but it's also not yet here. We're in the season of, man, there's, the light has come, but the light is also coming. And it feels really weird right now. We're, we're going, I thought there should be peace by now. I thought there should be hope. Like this whole idea of like, again, this Christmas sentimentalism of like, cheer up, everything works out in the end. It's not really the Christmas story. The Christmas story is things are incredibly broken and dark and miserable, but there is hope in Jesus. And the Christmas season's weird that way. Like we're not optimistic. We're not pessimistic. I love what G.K. Chesterton said about this. It just came to mind where he goes, uh, I'm neither an optimist nor a pessimist. Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. I love that. He's like, I'm not really optimistic. I'm not really pessimistic. All I know is I view the tragedies through the resurrection. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. There's a side of this where we look at the season and go, man, um, it's broken. It's really broken. We see a lot of pain, strife. It's awful. But yet this season is saying light has come, but also light is coming. This is a time for us to kind of reflect and say the dark things really are dark. And it makes you long for light. It makes you long for that new day. You know, if you remember, I don't know why this analogy just came to mind, so if I butcher it, forgive me. If in, you remember in Lord of the Rings, I think it was the two, the two towers where they're in the middle of battle and you have like Gandalf who basically arrives right at dawn, right? Remember that? Like right at, right at the sunlight. And they finally go, hope is here. Like they finally came to the end of themselves. The darkness, it seemed one. The darkness seemed to have overtaken them, but the dawning came. That new light came. Gandalf came. I'm sorry for Lord of the Rings thing. But I love it. But the idea is that, that is it. It's Jesus has come. The dawning, that he says, the dawn spring, the dawning, this new morning, the light has come. It seems like darkness has won. It seems like it. But that's usually when Jesus shows up. Um, but we have to acknowledge, though, the darkness. 
just a, you know, bring a Tim Keller quote in because why not? He says, when the Bible talks about sin, it is not just referring to the bad things we do. It is not just lying or, or lust or whatever the case may be. It is ignoring God in the world he has made. It's rebelling against him by living without reference to him. It's saying, I will decide exactly how I live my life. And Jesus says, that is our main problem. You see, the problem of darkness is not like, it's just out there, those world leaders, those awful people. The problem is that's within me. It's within here. It's not just out there. It's in here. Jesus said it better than Tim Keller. So I'm going to read what Jesus said in Mark chapter 7. Jesus said it this way. He says, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man come evil thoughts, sexual morality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. So you see, the darkness is not just some vague general thing out there. It's in here. It's in my heart. It's in your heart. Jesus said, I have not come for the righteous, but for the sinners. That's what I came for. I came to fix that heart. I came to give you a new heart. It doesn't have to stay in darkness. It doesn't have to stay this way. But we have to realize the problem's not just out there. It's in, it's in here. I need that light to shine on my broken, dark heart. You need that light. We need this light. You see, this is so important because um, sometimes we, always, we don't always diagnose the problems, like what's really going on around us. Sometimes we think, you know, maybe if we just have better technology, better education, you know, better social systems and structures, if we just had these things in place, then things would be better. We get those things in place and then things seem to get worse. And like more technology, more education and more social systems, and we get this stuff and then it falls apart even more. Why? Because the heart's not again, the problem's not there, the problem's within here. And we have to address that. We have to realize that. Jesus, I think, diagnoses the problem of evil and darkness very well. It's in John chapter three, Jesus speaking to a religious man. He's speaking to Nicodemus. He's talking to this guy who knows a lot, who'd be very educated in the law, but Jesus puts his finger on the problem. And it's John chapter three, verse 18. It's a verse we kind of like move on from. We kind of end at John 3, 16, but let's pick up in John 3, 18. Here's what Jesus says. Jesus speaking to Nicodemus says, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already. Why? Because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. And this is the judgment. What is it? The light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works are evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. You know, I think this is so necessary for us to actually diagnose what is the problem. See, here's the problem. The light has come, but so often we don't want it. We don't want it. It's not an intellectual problem. It's not a technology problem. It's, again, it's a heart problem. It's, no, God, we're good. I actually don't want you to expose those things. I kind of I want to keep doing them. Like, I don't, I don't want to have to change. I love the darkness. Like, he says, why? Why? Because men love darkness rather than light. You know, it's like that just cockroach disgusting kind of thing where, you, you know, you turn the lights on you see the cockroach and it runs, like the light, just they love the darkness. They run back to the, oh, we've had a cockroach problem. But you see, you turn the light on and you see it run away. I remember when we first moved to Florida, it was so weird for us because I thought in California we knew what cockroaches were, but then we moved to Florida. I remember seeing this giant cockroach in our first apartment here in Florida like 13 years ago. And I'm like, oh my gosh, there's a cockroach. And I got like my sandal or something and I went to hit it. And as I'm about to swing, it just flies. 
And I remember like, I'm like, Kimber, their cockroaches fly here. Like, what is Florida? Florida just was so weird to us. Like, I just remember like, and it flew, like, it, it was really weird. Like, this wings, it was big. It looks bigger than, you know, it's, you see its wings pop out. And then it flew and went into like the top cabinet, like where we, I couldn't reach it. I was like, that's it, we're moving. Like, just, you know, that one thing. But it's weird, cock, you see that and you go, man, we're, we're like that though. The lights come on, we're like, ah, we run. We don't, we don't want the lights to be on. This idea of, and here's the thing. Um, we can say like, man, isn't Jesus so attractive? People should want this. Like Jesus is so good. He's so beautiful. Like he loves the sinner. He goes to the woman caught in adultery and says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Jesus, isn't he the one with the outcasts? I mean, why wouldn't people want this? Because their deeds are evil. Because our deeds are evil. In reality, no one wants the light to come on. I want to keep doing what I'm doing. Romans 1 says that's been the problem always. We just, we don't want anyone to, don't talk about my, talk about their sin. Don't talk about my sin. The church can call out the church's sin, but the church cannot call out the world's sin. Don't talk about mine. That, that's the thing we don't like, but we have to. Listen, the most loving thing you could do is diagnose what is the problem? Like, what's the issue? I love what John Tyson said about this, a pastor. He says, a harsh diagnosis that is true is kinder than a vague diagnosis that does nothing. Listen, that is so important. A harsh diagnosis that is true, it's actually kinder than some vague diagnosis that does nothing. I think too often that's what we do. We give the world a vague diagnosis. I don't know. Maybe you should like try Jesus. Like, we just can't say like, no. Like you are absolutely, I am absolutely in darkness, depraved, wicked. My heart's rebelling against God. But God, who is rich in mercy because he loved us, has come towards us and saved us. Like we need, they need the whole message. And again, that before there's light, there's darkness. That's the idea. That's why light came. This idea of sentimental, and I love what Christmas is. Christmas is so realistic with the issues of the world. Christmas to me gets away from every Hallmark movie that we see that like, no, just be good and kind to people and be generous. Don't be Scrooge. Christmas, the, the reality of the true biblical Christmas is saying, you are so messed up. You could never be kind enough to get yourself out of this mess. Actually, light had to come and rescue you. Light had to come to save you because you could never do it because your heart is utterly broken. And see, that's what we need the light to come. I couldn't do it. I couldn't turn the light in my own life. I couldn't turn that light on in me. Jesus had to expose that. We love darkness rather than light. And we need to run to the one who actually says, in my light, though, there's vitamin D. In my light, there's healing. In my light, there's life and life more abundantly. I can give you that divine photosynthesis. I can give you oxygen to your life, actually. I can give you what it is you need in this way. That's what that light offers. This is what we need. So you have, this, you have the sun, you have the dark, and then you have, obviously, the sun. And this is John chapter 8, verse 12, and I just want to read it to you guys. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I want you to understand the context of John 8, because this is just, this is so much better in the context. Uh, Jesus is there in Jerusalem. It's during the Feast of Tabernacles or Sukkot. Uh, It's during this big feast, right? They would dwell in booths outside of Jerusalem. They would, they would have water poured out. Uh, they would do this lighting of this, basically this giant menorah sort of thing um, in the woman's courtyard. Uh, some scholars say it's up to 75 feet tall. Imagine a 75, 75 foot tall menorah that they'd light. They'd actually say like, you know, Josephus and others write about this menorah that it light up the city at night. It just light up the city at nighttime. 75 feet candle. Imagine that. Lit every night during the Feast of Tabernacles. That's when Jesus gets up and goes, I'm the light of the world in Jerusalem, in the temple says this phrase, I am the light of the world. Do you know the offensiveness of that? What he's saying, and in their understanding, is I am the Shekinah glory light. What's the Shekinah glory light? That's that light from on high. That's that glory, that light that can only come down from heaven. This is the light that only God can offer. This is not some man-made light. 
Jesus is saying, I am the Shekinah. I'm the glory of God himself on this earth. What? Why do they want to kill Jesus? Because of phrases like John 8. I am the light of the world. I am. In me, there's no darkness at all. John 1, 5. In God, there's no darkness at all. Jesus was claiming to be God. He was claiming to be the express image of God. Hebrews 1, verse 3 says this. Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. See, Jesus goes, I'm the light. I've come to drive out darkness. I'm fulfilling Isaiah 9. I'm this new day dawning that's coming to reveal the darkness that men are sitting in. I'm coming to give you life and life uh, more abundantly. That's why I've come. Jesus said, I am the light. Here's the thing. We need way more than just what we can do. We need way more than what we can produce. We need this out, like outside of us type of light to come in. Someone outside of us to come save us. That we could never generate or fix the response ourselves. We could never muster it up. We need something outside of us. And Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. I've come. That's me. And also, just I'm, what does that mean? That means everything we studied, I'm ultimate reality. I will reveal your reality, like the, the, your circumstances around you, what you see, what you don't see. I'm here to reveal that to you. I'm the one to bring you life. I'm the one that brings you beauty and joy. What we saw about the light, that's what Jesus is saying he is. He said, I'm the ultimate light. I am the, the reason why you don't understand life, because life will not make sense without Jesus. Because with Jesus, now I have light. Now I can see. That's why we use phrases like, I once was blind and now I see. It's like, now I get it. Now I see what the real issue is with this world. It's not politics. It's not this person. It's a sin issue. It's a heart issue. And we need to get to the heart of the problem that is sin. And who can get to the heart of the problem? Only Jesus. Only he can get and really deal with that. It's not just out there. It's in here. And he doesn't want to start with systems. He wants to start with us. He wants to start inside us. And we see that Jesus is that light of the world. And either you run to the light or you're a cockroach and you flee that light. And how do you respond to that light? That's really the question that's brought up. I love what C.S. Lewis so famously said. You probably know this quote, but he says, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. It's not just I'm looking at the sun. It's not, I don't just look at it, stare at it, and burn my pupils out. No. But I know the sun is there, not because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. I I know that it's there, not because I'm looking at it and hurting my eyes, but life would not make sense without the sun. And that's the whole point of Jesus. Life would not make sense without the sun. It just doesn't make sense. Every worldview, every question, every, every question, every doubt you have. Listen, every person has had. Why are we here? Where do we come from? Is there any purpose to life? Is there a God? What kind of God is he like? How would God reveal himself to us? All of these questions we have, we see found in the answers found in the person of Jesus. And when I try to explore it any other way, it just, for me, it does not add up. I have to say that this only makes sense in the person of Jesus. God's not in heaven going, I'm so sorry, I'm screaming from heaven. God's like, let me come down and walk among you. Let me show you I will suffer with you. I'm not some God who's distant. I'm a God who's near. Like what other faith claims that their God actually came to earth and he was both fully God and fully man, both fully divine and he knows what it's like to suffer and he knows what it's like to be tired and he knows what it's like to have loved ones die. He's like, I know both realities. I am both. You see, this is the only thing that makes sense to me, saying I can deal with the issues, the real issues of this world, and I also have the real solutions of this world, and it's only found in the person of Jesus. Because by him, I see everything else. First John 2, 8 says, the darkness is passing away, and the true light is already shining. Do you believe this? Have you experienced this? Have you experienced that the, the darkness is passing away, and the true light is already shining? Do you realize that you and I have been saved out of darkness into his marvelous light? 
It says in 1 Peter 2, 9, who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. It says in Colossians 1.13, Jesus has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. I want you to hear that because I love that phrase. He's transferred us out of the domain of darkness into the kingdom of the son of his love. You were once a part of the kingdom of darkness, now you're part of the kingdom of light. That was once you. Paul says that in Ephesians 5 and Ephesians 4. He goes, you were once children of darkness, but now you're children of light. Walk as children of light. He goes, you know what? The world sleeps at night, but you, you be sober. You be awake. You're not a children of night. You're not children of the darkness. You're children of the day. You're ch- you, you now be aware. Like, be aware of this. To me, here's the point, and this is what I want to get to really ultimately. In uh, John chapter 1, verse 5, there's a phrase that to me just summarizes what I'm trying to say today. John chapter 1, verse 5, here's the verse. He says, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Other translations say this. Listen to this last part. The darkness cannot put it out or the darkness can never extinguish it. He goes, the light has shined in darkness and darkness can never win. That is the point. Darkness can never win. If it's dark and you turn on light, the light wins. Darkness is gone. Jesus is saying, I have come. I have come to expose darkness and the darkness cannot win or overcome or extinguish. It cannot take it out. Isn't it so good to know that Jesus cannot lose to darkness? The darkness cannot win. It will not win. You can't let it win in your life. Run to the one who's light. If you feel like there's things in your life that you're still keeping hidden, run to the one who brings light and healing and life evermore. This is what light entered darkness. Because think about this. When I say light entered darkness, you have to understand there's a key phrase in the the Gospels that Matthew points out and and Luke points out. But when Jesus was there hanging on the cross, we're told simply in Matthew 27, 45, there was darkness over all of the land. For three hours, there was darkness over all of the land. Why? Because the one who is light took on darkness. That literally, while he's there, I believe receiving the sins of the world, you see that the land is just filled with darkness. The darkness took on light. Jesus hanging on the cross. The land just dark from 12 noon to three o'clock. It's just pitch black. Why? Because the one who is light took on darkness. Jesus entered our darkness and took it and bore it so that you and I can now become children of light. He's like, let me take it on. I love you. I'm light. In me is no darkness at all. But God who knew no sin became sin so that you might and I might become the righteousness of God in him. That God took that on so you and I be, might have his righteousness. I'll, I'll take your darkness and I'll give you my light. That's why we're called the exchange, essentially. I'll take your filth, your darkness, your shame, your guilt, everything that you've ever experienced with doing those things in the dark, those things that make you feel dirty, those things that people did to you that make you feel dirty, all of those things, that darkness, I'm going to take it and give you light. That that is not define you anymore. My light defines you. I've given you a new life. I've given you life and life more abundantly. This is what we celebrate here simply at Christmas. I love what Dorothy Sayers says about the incarnation. Listen to what she says. She says, the incarnation means that for whatever reason, God chose to make man as he is, limited and suffering and subject to sorrows and death. Merry Christmas. He had the honesty and the courage to take his own medicine. Whatever game he's playing with his creation, he has kept his own rules and played fair. He can exact nothing from man that he has not exacted from himself. He has himself gone through restrictions of hard work and lack of money to the worst horrors of pain and humiliation, defeat, despair, and death. When he was a man, he played the man. He was born in poverty and died in disgrace. 
and thought it well worthwhile. You see, we don't serve a God who's just somewhere in heaven going, oh, I'm so sorry. I hope you would believe. We're serving a God who came to us and says, give me that sorrow. Give me that pain. Give me that darkness. I'll take all of it on. Because by his stripes, we are healed. By his light entering this world, he's now cast out darkness. He's given us that light. That's why, again, the author in Ephesians says, for at one time you were in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Yes? Listen, Jesus came to give you life and life more abundantly. I want you to experience that in him. Um, If you do not know Jesus, know that he is the light of the world. Know that we have a faith, we have a God who says, I love you and care for you so much, I'm going to come to you. You don't need to come to me. I came to you. I came to my own and my own received me not. That is Christmas. I've come to my own, I enter darkness. The star that was shining, the the angel's glory that shone on the shepherds, all that light, all that brightness, all that light, all of it, was ultimately so one day he could take on the darkness of this world. Was that ultimately he could take on the cross was so that he could set us free from that darkness and bring us from the the domain or power of darkness into the kingdom of the son of his love. Hey, you are now invited to the kingdom of the son of his love. That darkness does not need to define you, the shame that comes with that, the guilt, the humiliation, the pain, that you're not children of light, walk as children of light. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And if we say we have fellowship with God, we walk in darkness. And that means we lie, we do not practice the truth. He says, walk in the light. Walk in the light as he's in the light. I just want to encourage you guys, experience Jesus, the light of the world. When you see these lights on stage, the candles, your neighborhood, remember, it's because this world is so dark, we need light. When you see that in your neighborhood, you go, oh, this world's dark. And the light has come, but he's also coming and his name's Jesus. Yes? Merry Christmas. Let's just worship Jesus, this light. Father, we just want to say thank you. There is no one like you. We just want to say, God, you are so good to send your son. Here we are. We know you weren't born on December 25th. But we honor and celebrate the fact that there was a a certain day you entered earth. There was a point in time, God, that the one who created history entered history. That is unbelievable. And we just want to say thank you. Thank you, God, that you broke through. Thank you that you just took on humanity. You clothed yourself with human flesh, this incarnate, this incarnation. God, we just say thank you that you, you love us enough to take on our shame, our guilt, our darkness, and now you've made us children of light. We just want to say thank you, Jesus. There is no one like you. How we just want to worship you now. How we want to remember and just, and just worship and say, oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. How we want to just celebrate the fact that light has come, that we don't have to be left in darkness. So we thank you, Jesus, in your precious name. Church, if you just stand, let's just, uh, just, let's just close our time by singing, by celebrating. Jesus has come, light enter darkness. Thank you, Jesus. Amen? Let's worship.